Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. Trudeau is our prime minister. I'm so traumatized. No, we're because, traumatized yeah. about about our largest trade part trade trading partner has Trump. No, no, no. We're happy with our person. No, no, no. I'm not saying we're not happy. Also, we love Justin. You have a ma- there was a mayor in one of your uh, what are they called? Not territories, right? It's the different word. Uh, Province. Provinces. Province. That yep. that was um, getting taught how to tie a turban um, from a Sikh man and. Then he danced with the Sikh man, and it was all over Facebook. And I'm like, Canada, can you just, like, cool it for two seconds? Because you're reminding me how terrible this is. Well, they're they're just showing off at this point. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's exactly what it felt like. You know, it's like it's like I'm driving down the street, or I'm I'm limping down the street. I'm on crutches, and then Georgia Dow comes by in her Humvee, and she's just feeling gas everywhere, yes. and like lighting a trail of gas behind us just to show how awesome she is. Like, yeah, come on, Georgia. I'm yeah, sorry. Georgia, can you just cool it? <laughs> You're obviously responsible for your whole country. And everything. You know what right. this is? This is just payback for like two years of us like mercilessly making fun of Canada on a weekly basis. Oh yeah, yeah. We Maybe. never get to tell a Canada I joke don't think, again. I don't think that anyone deserves that. I don't think anyone deserves that. I don't know what kind of crime you'd have to commit to deserve this, but well, clearly something because it happened. Well, I don't know. I feel like we've we've woken up in like bizarro universe. I'm like, how do we get back? That should be what we're planning. How do we get back? No, oh, no, Lord. Bizarro is not the Superman villain that you're looking for. The Superman villain that you're looking for is Doomsday. That's the Superman villain that you're looking for. <laughs> I feel like it's really, if I mean, DC is okay, but if we wanted to put this in the correct Marvel terms, I think it would be the, <laughs> the equivalent would be Apocalypse, where it's only survival of the fittest, meaning white, straight, and male. And yeah. you know, you're going to be fine, Steve, but, you know, the rest of us, like, it's not going to be a good four years. I mean, so. well, you know, there's Galactus, though. Though, who's just eating planets? I that might also be be appropriate. So yeah, Galactus was competent. Like, that's the <laughs> that is a true point. These oh, days they call um, white straight Americans uh, traditionally American. I don't know if you oh. all heard. Oh um, damn! Where did that happen? I don't know if you all heard, but uh, somebody was asking. And again. I have my thoughts and feels about Kanye and I, um, you know, he, he's, he's done some questionable things. However, um, they asked if Kanye was going to be performing at Trump's inauguration. The, the person who was in charge of like putting this together was saying that, uh, they weren't going to have Kanye West. And the reason why is because he is not traditionally American. They are having a traditionally American ceremony. And so therefore Kanye West would not be performing. We love Kanye, but so he's you're, not So you're only going to have Native Americans performing, the, is what ding, you're saying. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, and then I kind of I looked back at last year, or I mean, at um, Obama's inauguration, and we had Beyonce performing, and it was all very good. And I, anyway, that's very upsetting. Uh, but the the photo that I just posted in the chat is not upsetting. And I'm sure it will make everyone. Oh, my God. No, I I, I'm not a blonde. I don't do blonde very well. (laughs) 
god. Wow, look at <laughs> these oh, are great. Oh my god. You need to change your avatar. Uh <laughs> I don't know about that per se. Oh, that'd be hilarious. oh my god. That's actually I'm I'm kinda disturbed right now. See, I was in a good mood despite yeah. despite the <laughs> the impending apocalypse, and now I now I don't know. Oh, right, dear. right. Can, can right. I just say something about this before we get to our first topic? It gets me so angry. And I was talking to NPR about this today. It gets me so angry that, you know, I'm driving, uh, taking a train rather, down to DC tomorrow. I'm going to be out there in the cold, marching, protesting Trump in the White House. And the man that I'm running against is going to be in there partying with him, celebrating Mm. it. And he's allegedly a Democrat. And there are other Democrats from Massachusetts have taken a stand and said, no, I'm not going to participate in this. This is not Mm -hmm. normal. I cannot pretend this is normal. And the man I'm running against is like, pour me some champagne. And it just, it is, it is such a slap in the face to the women that are out there who, you know, will have our health care devastated. You know, the families out there that can't afford their, to send their kids to private school that are going to be decimated when this, when this ridiculous um, fringe extremist like defunds our public school. And Stephen Lynch is in there pouring champagne. It really gets me angry, just to be straight up with you. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Did you uh, did you watch um, uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, oh. <laughs> grilling her? Yes, I did. Uh, that was love beautiful. Elizabeth. Love Elizabeth. I have downloaded and a lot of those Senate hearings and just have been watching them eating popcorn. Al and Franklin tea. was also pretty oh, he damn was so good. good. Oh, Can I tell so you, good. Georgia, this whole running for Congress thing is just a scheme to hang out with Elizabeth Warren and Al Franklin. Yeah. That's fair. Oh, you know, that's completely <laughs> that fair. Is- yeah, I need, yeah, I'm completely I need jealous her signature. About that. If you yeah. can do that for me, oh my gosh. <laughs> Mike, you're going to come down to my office and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I, can you get me to introduce <laughs> Elizabeth Warren? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Brie, I don't want to hear yeah. that from you because you, gosh darn it, you're good enough, you're, you're smart enough, and gosh yes. darn it, people like you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, sure, sure. Before we get to the first topic this week, uh, I have a request for disruption listeners. Um, you know, my campaign officially started this week. Uh, there's going to be a big Woo! announcement tomorrow. Uh, you know, I've done a ton of press about it this week, and we started fundraising this week. Um, the man I'm running against uh, only managed to raise $1.2 million last time around. So think about it this way. I forget the exact number, but I think about 30,000 people voted in the last election for Stephen, um, you know, for Stephen Lynch. You know, this was an on-year election. uh, But next year, Democrats very famously don't show up in off years. And if you take into account the fact that he's never had a primary opponent, like, what's the number going to be of how many people show up for the primary? Like, is it going to be 10,000? Is it going to be 5,000? Is it going to be 4,000? I We don't know. But, you know, the number of votes I have to get to win this primary is not probably going to be a huge number. It's definitely a number I can feasibly go out and shake that many hands and bring, you know, a truly feminist uh, voice into the Congress. So, you know, disruption listeners, if you're out there and you want to support me, you know, I will go to AT&T and Verizon, you know, those companies <laughs> I badmouth on the show all the time, but I would <laughs> a lot rather just get small donations from people and run my campaign that way. Like if 12,000 people give me a hundred bucks, I'm done and I'm not like tied to any corporation. So, you know, we're going to put a link in the show notes. If you, you know, if you believe in what I want to do in Washington, like I hope you'll consider donating. 
Yeah, and feet to the ground, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's time to stop talking about it. It's time to get some stuff done. Speaking of which, awesome. I absolutely adored that um, the video, <laughs> especially the part where you roll off on the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, my first campaign. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen it yet. Can you post it, put it yeah, on? Yeah, the, yeah, uh... yeah, we'll do that. I have to tell you, because my voice is still healing, it was really hard to like do the voiceover. Like I had to do every single thing 10 times. Oh. And oh, um, I'm like, I'm, I'm talking to speech therapists. I'm trying to get exercises so I can enunciate words better because <laughs> when you start listening to it that closely you hear all the faults but thank you Micah I appreciate that mm-hmm. yeah I, um, I I saw it actually retweeted by somebody um, who is like an Apple uh, employee and I was like oh my gosh that's the video I, I didn't even know Brie hasn't shared it with us yet <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah I was excited and that'll also be on the show notes yeah. it will be it will be but yeah the, the two big things are you can go to Brianna Wu 2018 and get on our, our list and there are going to be action items through that through the campaign. I swear I will not spam you. I ended up blocking Hillary Clinton at one point of the race just because she kept spamming uh, like my inbox. So uh, yeah, you know, I'll be very uh, respectful with that. But if you can sign up for that and, you know, donate money, like, you know, the things I'm going to stand for, like we're going to have tons of POC, POC on staff. You know, if I'm elected, we're absolutely going to represent Black Lives Matter. You know, we're going to bring privacy issues, cybersecurity you know, we're going to really bring true feminist perspective into politics. So, you know, if you believe in those things, I hope you'll support us. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Yeah. So definitely check out the show notes for all of that information. And uh, it is time to, to break into the show. Uh, (laughs) So I don't know. No, no, no. This was a good, I I love whenever we can start with this uh, more personal stuff. Um, But uh, you know, a lot of people out there probably today saw some very doll like photos um, and some, some interestingly blurred uh, images with gigantic eyes and things like that. Uh, There is an app uh, called my two. um, And and I hope I'm getting that pronunciation correct, Uh, but it's M E I. ITU. And it kind of uh, took over the internet this morning, um, leading up into the rest of the day before it started to uh, catch some flack. So I'm just going to give some quick bullet points, and then we're going to break this out into a discussion here. So the app kind of hit this morning, and basically you you take photos with it, and it does hilariously kind of overdone um, filters. So your skin gets very blurred, and you get, uh, you know, makeup put on your face and it enlarges your eyes and changes the color of them. It does all of this stuff. You can slim out your face. You can whiten your eyes and your skin. I mean, it just does a bunch of different things. It kind of takes all of those different, quote-unquote, beautify apps and puts them all into one thing. Um, So... That was kind of the original thing. People thought it was really funny to start taking photos of, of um, DT, for example, and put him in there and beautify him, Doctor Who characters, etc. Well, then um, a friend of the internet, Jonathan Zidziarski, um, started to kind of look into the code. And uh, it turned out that the app was actually checking, if you downloaded it on iOS, it was checking your phone to see if your phone was jailbroken. It was also sideloading in different frameworks, um, including one that could figure out what your cellular provider was, and then another framework for security, okay? Um, It turned out in the end that on iOS, 
uh, he, he says, nothing snuck into the App Store with my two. There are some SDK infractions, but it's, for the most part, legit. The problem is, is that it's just crapware. It is an app that has a bunch of different ad tracking uh, pieces in it, which, of course, then will take kind of your information and tie it to all these different ad places and put that all together and be able to track you, okay? Well, on Android, it was a different story. And on Android, it turned out that this app was asking for a bunch of permission, including knowing when your phone was calling, knowing who you were calling, uh, being able to keep your phone from charging, uh, doing a bunch of different things. And uh, that kind of, uh, Brie, I remember you talking about this before. That's kind of the, the status quo over on Android, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we at GSX, we've studied a lot of Android. We've worked on you know building apps for Android, and it really is the status quo. You can go to any app out there. Gordon Ramsay's cooking, and it's like, well, Gordon Ramsay wants to know everything <laughs> about you, Brianna Wu. He wants to know when you're where you're going and all your contacts and have complete access to the data and know when you're changing cellular providers. It's like, wow, that's kind of creepy, Gordon Ramsay. I don't even know you, dude. So, yeah. Really, really scary stuff. I, I've eaten yeah. his restaurant. I wonder if he was learning all those things about me while I was eating a delicious hamburger. Now I'm now I'm concerned. Has your DNA? <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna make super super salty hamburgers. Yeah. Now that I've <laughs> eaten at his we, restaurant, <laughs> we go, we eat, we we drive cars, we do this, and now everything electronic. They try to scam every bit of information out of you that is at all possible. You know, like it's. It's ridiculous because in no other area would we ever accept or want to be able to do this. But because we get a little sparkly glint and our eyes get big and we're like, woohoo. And then we're like, give us, take away all of our lives privacy. You can have it because this is cute. And then we do it. And and I did download it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, throwing that you out downloaded there, it? Uh, though I did say you don't have access to my pictures. Oh, sorry, I, I did yeah, the same thing, sorry. actually. No, oh, no, I don't no. know if that makes any sense. I mean, just... I have to say, Georgia, I thought my stuff was safe because it's on iOS, and mm -hmm. iOS has much, like, sandboxing yeah. is built into the operating system. Uh, so, you know, I think you you are a little bit more, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're more protected in yeah. general because this app is bad on iOS. It's a nuclear nightmare on, you know, Android. So, you know, and I, I was having a difference of opinion with the author of these tweets on Twitter, and I asked him to clarify, but Micah, did you read all of this. Like, my understanding of it is, you know, there are there are two frameworks that mm -hmm. this app uh, loads. One is a security framework. The other is like a telephony framework. Mm -hmm. And, you know, normally when I call or load this framework, so I have to specify it in my app headers, right? My understanding of this is it's kind of side-loading them or sneaking them in dynamically to kind of flaunt uh, App Store rules. Is that your understanding of it? Uh, so along with reading these tweets, I also talked to our security expert at um, Mobile Nations, and he actually broke apart the app for Android and the app for iOS and kind of looked at everything. And yes, he the the, the app is basically uh, from Jerry is, is his name. He's actually an editor over on Android Central as well. And um, he said that what the app is doing on iOS is... By dynamically loading some of these libraries, it's able to test if your app is jailbroken and, or sorry, not libraries, but frameworks. And by 
testing if your if your phone is jailbroken, then it can see if you are using a pirated version of the app. Because what he you know is kind of speculating is that eventually this app is going to include some um, you know pay to play features, and at that point, then if you have a jailbroken version of the app, you could get that for free. But there are ways, Jerry said, of actually checking if a phone is jailbroken, like legitimately. But they yeah. chose to use these ways instead. And those, um, a lot of this stuff that's plugged in here, um, what Zadarsky was saying is like, this is just an app where someone decided they were going to take a bunch of different libraries online and kind of throw it into one thing. And that's what makes it crapware. So yes, it, it's definitely doing it in a way that does not uh, fit with the App Store rules. But um, according to the author and also Jerry, a lot of apps end up doing this and this stuff is not caught. Now, when it comes to iOS, those of us using iOS, yes, we are a lot more protected because at the most, what they're being able to get from us is that our phone is is or is not jailbroken and able to tell who our carrier is, our mobile carrier is. And so that means like, you know, your photos are not being sent off to some cloud. And that's another thing that Jerry was saying, like so many people are paying attention to this right now who know what they're talking about, that they would have found the part of the app where it's like taking all of your photos and offloading them onto a server or something. He said, uh, there's, there's not as much to worry about on iOS and even on Android, they have not, you know, the code wasn't showing um, a bunch of a bunch of like your photos and things like that being sent off and, and scanned and looked at or whatever. It's just the fact that they've asked for those permissions. And on iOS, they've done it in a way that goes against what Apple allows. And that's where it becomes a sketchy issue where you're going, well, you know, why'd you have to do it this way if you could have done it the legitimate way? It's just it's gross. And, you know, it, it makes everybody feel less safe. And in the case of Android, potentially very unsafe. Plus, it's a free app, so I don't know why they would care if you have a jailbroken version. That's There's what nothing I said. paid now. They could then change it when they did, but it's a free app. Uh, well, I mean, the, I can't believe I'm about to defend a crapware manufacturer, but here we go. I'm not um, doing it. Don't do, don't, it, Steve. Don't do it, Steve. Don't do no, it. I'm just gonna. I'm just don't. gonna say, like this. This app has been there for several years. Like they just. I guess they just added this new feature to do this whatever it's doing to your face that looks creepy as hell to me i'm sorry um but that that's new technology but this has been in the app store for a while so it's possible that that was the way you needed to do it back in like ios 7 when this first went in Ah. as opposed to now like i'm not an ios developer so i don't know as well as somebody who actually develops on ios on a regular basis but that was one of the things that that jonathan who's the jonathan zadarsky was saying later on that maybe that's just the what they had to do before i i mean and and then there was a lot of backlash on twitter today as we're recording this about you know scaring people about privacy and and stuff like that and and i think that it's not good to cry the sky is falling with things like this because at the end steve i have my pitchfork well i mean (laughs) i mean but you you always have your pitchfork georgia that's nothing new but i need to use it you only get it if you want to use it you just I just need Twitter to tell me who to aim it at. You, you aim it at Nintendo, but that's beside the point. Um so oh, snap. <laughs> but, uh, no, but um it's one thing to claim the sky is falling, right? But I think that it's not necessarily a bad thing to just every so often think about the things that you're putting on your phone before you do it. And I mean this ended up being 
really a whole lot of nothing or a whole lot of this is probably pretty bad, but there's at the end of the day, there's not really a whole lot that they can do unless you're jailbreaking your phone or and, and if you're jailbreaking your phone, you're already taking on a certain amount of risk that you need to understand anyway. Um, but I think it is good to just kind of think about what you're putting on your phone before you do and, and think about where things are coming from and just take that second. And, you know, if you're fine with it, you're fine with it. But it kind of doesn't do anybody any good either when, when um, you know, when these things are blown up to the point where it's like, well, it's sending all your photos to Chinese servers and that's not really what it is. And then all of a sudden nobody, nobody pays attention to any of the stuff anymore. Sorry, breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news. This just comes in from Netflix. Um, She-Ra, Princess of Power, season one. <laughs> oh, what? Is on Netflix. Well, I'm I sorry. know what I'm doing tonight, Georgia. Um, there's since, important and then there's important. Yeah. It's very important. Uh, that show doesn't hold up as much as I um, But, Steve, I want to respond to what you're saying. I, I think, well, I think there are two things here. I think a lot of us technical people have this utopian vision where all of a sudden like our grandmothers are going to know what, you know, IMEI identifiers are and are (laughs) going to make better choices about privacy. And I just think that putting, um, you know, the, the blame on the consumer in this is not helpful. So this is, this is, this is my pragmatic approach to this. And, And this is really part of why I'm running and, you know, like, Guys, this is what I'm spending the next two years doing, so it's going to you know factor into my analysis from here on. But uh, you know, I've talked to Danielle Citron, uh, who is a privacy uh, and internet scholar, and you know, something I hope to be working with her is putting together an omnibus privacy bill on this because it's not just a, you know, it's not just a, an issue of consumer rights; it's also one of cybersecurity because uh, it's not good for you know foreign governments to have access to this level of data about us. So, you know, I think the only way forward is legislative. You know, because the cybersecurity and like privacy violations can't be solved by the free market because neither the consumer nor the producer is interested in spending <laughs> the money on it. Uh, so, I think I I agree. With what you're saying, but I think it just, I think advocating this magical future, I don't think it's realistic. And I think government does have a role to play in kind of curbing these worst abuses. Uh, I just don't see another way forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to be clear, I don't think it's realistic either at the end of the day. I think it's it's something that just kind of needs to go into your calculus in general for you wouldn't go to Amazon and buy like old sparky uh power outlets right you probably want to go if you're putting power putting power outlets in your in your house you probably want to buy them from like a brand you recognize right just because you know that it's less likely to set your house on fire when you try to put them in i think it's just that kind of thing that we don't do as much with apps in the app store because we just kind of like they, they don't especially when they don't cost anything they don't get as much scrutiny you know what I mean? Like you don't think about it, right? You just oh, this is a this is a cool photo app. I'm just going to download it, which is fair, right? Like that's just that's just the way things are going to happen. It's just a matter of it's worth thinking about just where are these things coming from? Even if you end up making the calculus, you know what? It's I'm gonna I'm giving up all my data anyway. Like things are tracking <sighs> us all the time. 
I, yeah. I you yeah. know, I'm, yeah. I don't necessarily agree That's with the that. unfortunate learned helplessness kind of thing of, and, and, you know, we've, we've already been in the water for so long and everything else we're giving our data to. So then this is just one more and yeah. I want it. Right. So I'm going to, cause I mean, ultimately like a legis yeah, cause like a legislative solution is the right, is the real only answer, but that's also not happening right away either. And you know, there are just things we can do in the meantime, at least just to be mindful of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, but can can the government really do that while it's doing exactly the same thing? Like, I'm not saying that the government couldn't be hypocritical. I'm just saying the chances of them doing that uh, are less than just because then they can use these applications and subpoena them to get the information that they're already taking for us that they shouldn't, which makes it easier for them. It, this is this is kind of gross, uh, but this is a this is a thing that does happen in a lot of these uh, free apps. If you're, you know, so whenever this is this is kind of how iOS uh, they can kind of skirt the rules and regulations based on your photos. Okay, if the app uh, or rather if you have location information tied into the EXIF data on your photos. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, EXIF is just like the there's metadata plugged into different photos that you take, and if you have your location data uh, tied to your photos, when you give the app permission to your photos and you upload those photos to the service, they can figure out where those locations are and use that uh, for different things. And so the the, the app MyTu, the problem with it and the thing that kind of continues to be this issue is that it is full. It is full to the brim with a bunch of different ad trackers. And that's how, a lot of times that's how these free apps make any sort of money. So whenever you look at an app that's free, that's where you kind of have to go, you know, where's the money coming from? A lot of times it's these ad trackers. Well, anyway, it can use your location from the photos, even though you're not, you know, enabling uh yes you can have my information through this way so yeah obviously some some concerns to take in uh into account i mean i i downloaded this app too and i used it and i felt okay on ios and still do um it's just again it's always something you kind of have to think about and uh Ultimately, I hope that, yes, there are some sort of rules and regulations put into place that can, you know, make things even more clear about what we're giving up whenever we say, yes, you can use this or you can't use this from me. Uh, I want to add one more quick thing, though. And Mike and George, I hope this is okay to say if we need to cut this, we can. But, you know, this isn't just apps on your phone. Um, you know, iMore has gotten a lot of critique for the number of trackers you guys mm -hmm. use. Uh, you know, I can go to Ghostery right now on my machine and, you know, you do use a little bit more than what the industry standard would be, which is horrible. So, you know, this isn't just apps on your phone. Like this is, this is everywhere. And, mm -hmm. you know, we are all part of this problem. So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't actually like, like talk for that because like, you know, we're not the ones that yeah. run sure. uh, the site. And so I don't, I, think Renee I don't know is why, sitting down. where, yeah, yeah. what, and what's done with it. Yeah. I do know that we don't use it for nefarious purposes. Yeah. Um, and we're not, you know, selling it to the government um, for a price. Sure. I would never, so. I don't think Renee is sitting down making his decisions. I think marketing gets involved exactly. yeah. and you've got people that aren't engineers making decisions, well, which is also again, some of yeah. the ads that are on sites track as well. And that probably is also conflating some of your data. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, okay. Renee, I mean, Renee is clearly not the Montgomery Burns of Apple <laughs> news sites. But yes. you know, I think, but, yeah. well, honestly, I think uh, it, absolutely, like a, a absolutely <laughs> agree. I think that um, 
you know, a lot of times it's an interesting thing where the editorial team it will even be vocal about how you know they themselves not being okay with the the number yep. of trackers and i've seen that from a lot of uh places including like the verge and and yeah especially with us like i've renee regularly i've seen renee do that it. yeah and uh, yeah i definitely feel like uh it's but see it's, it goes back to kind of what georgia was saying earlier where we've kind of become comfortable with this this learned helplessness and a lot of times we just throw up our hands and say well it's happening everywhere but it is an issue and when it comes out to be this app that suddenly is just like taking off like wildfire and you do have you know quote unquote normal everyday people aka people that aren't you know super tech nerds like us and understand this stuff downloading this app especially on Android like a lot of a lot of normal everyday people have Android devices and when i think about them in this app or in other apps that we're not even paying attention to the level of information that they can you know get taken from them that's terrifying yeah. and it's because we've normalized that kind of thing and and you know this this developer who makes this app again you think of them like oh gonna pull down this uh ad tracker and this ad tracker and if i add this one it's gonna uh, add 30 cents to every user who downloads it and you know they're not necessarily thinking about the repercussions of that it's just like i can get money from here and here and here and now there's this new one that came out so that's yeah i mean it's it's all about normalizing it and making it okay but it's not okay (laughs) well it's why federal legislation is the only way forward because you're never you know, you're not going to get people to voluntarily give that up. So, you know, uh, in economics, we have a word and that word is externality. So let's imagine, um, you know, Georgia, let's say you and I start a hog farm, right? (laughs) So we we start a hog farm and we're growing pork and all of that. Uh, You know, so all the pig waste has to go somewhere, right? It just goes into the environment. It pollutes like nearby rivers and streams. That cost is not factored into the pork, right? Like we're just doing it and we're selling it, but like the environment and everything around us is taking We're like cost. going out in the middle of the night and then dumping it when yeah, we don't tell just you, wherever, right? Just okay. wherever. Yeah, That's yeah, called yeah. an externality. You know, for these kinds of apps, there's a huge cost to all of us. As consumers in the, you know, in the form of, uh, you know, uh, basically identity theft, uh, being tracked, having your information sold against your will, there's a huge external cost here. And I just don't think this is something the market will ever solve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the only problem with it really is that you don't know that you're paying that cost when you're paying it. I mean, it's like if you're paying two ninety nine for an app and you're, that money's leaving your bank account, you know that that's happening. You're putting your thumb on your on touch ID and it's happening. A lot of times, even after everything gets said about these things, there's still a lot of people who don't realize what they're giving up for an app that is, quote unquote, free. And and I don't yeah. I think that, you know, that's not going to change. But I think it's good. It, it is good for if if this raises that awareness with even a few people and they just take a half second to think about it, even if they they download the next stupid app that, you know, turns you into a Pikachu or whatever. Then you know, so so be it. You know what I mean. I want that app. How do I get it? Yeah, I, I don't do care too. what it takes I from do me. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, uh, well. I I think that was a very good discussion, and I still have to say that I am incredibly surprised that Georgia Dow downloaded that app because I thought if anyone was going to withstand it, it would be the Dow. But apparently, not even Dow can stand uh, being away from the the, uh, the giant eyes and the the pink cheeks and the blue eyes. Um, it's only because it didn't make her agree to a EULA before she started taking pictures. That's all. 
It was there. You just whenever you tap the other button, it was hidden under that button. No, oh. Georgia uh, Dow makes all kinds of bad choices, including being on this podcast with us. So. That's true. I should not be surprised. So, Michael, oh, why don't dear. you, t- instead of talking about Georgia Dow's terrible life choices, why don't you tell us about something that's awesome? Thank you. That is exactly where I was going. I am planning to run away from the zombies. Oh. Look, Ooh. Kinomortophobia. Wait, say that again. Kinomortophobia. Bless you. We all know that running helps you get fit, but we also know that running is kind of really boring for most people. Well, the Zombies Run virtual race makes running fun. Wherever you are in the world, you can head out to run 5 or 10K with your headphones in. As you run, the app immerses you in a thrilling audio story that's specially designed to match the distance you're running. You're going to hear zombies close on your heels. You'll rescue survivors from a train trapped in the channel tunnel. You'll run for Further and faster than you ever thought you could. Because with the Zombies Run virtual race, you're not just running around the park. You're running to save lives, doggone it. Your entry gets you a thrilling audio adventure series that takes you from the start of your training right to the end of your race. It's a virtual race with real-life benefits. You can also get a pro-spec technical running tee, a finisher's medal, and a bunch of other great gear. All this starts from just $35. Way cheaper and way more fun than a gym membership and a cancellation fee and all that jazz that comes along with a gym membership. So please visit zombiesvirtualrace.com and use the coupon code DISRUPTION, and you're going to get $5 off your entry. So $30, that's awesome. I I can't get over how brilliant this idea is because I know, like, Bree, you, whenever you run, you just get in the zone and you just, you know, you're We get high. You get high. Like, it creates endorphins in your brain. Like, that's, it's the same uh, chemical rush as, like, cocaine. Like, that's why runners get addicted to, that's why runners get so addicted to running. But, uh, yeah, this, this app is awesome. I love it. It's super fun. Uh, like the thing they're selling you, the $35 thing, I bought that for the last virtual race. It's great. I wear that, uh, you know, that t-shirt all the time for working out. And it's a it's a great story. It's also got a lot of LGBT characters. It works well with uh, like Apple Music or audiobooks. What? I just, I wow. love this. It's amazing. I also beat all of you guys last time. You all forfeited, <laughs> but I survived the zombies. So... Uh, I was the zombies. Here's here's like a pro level strategy because if you see somebody else who's running with the tech tee on, right, and they have AirPods, then what you do is you run up to them and you grab one of the AirPods out of their out of their ear and you just throw it down on the ground and then you run past them and then when they go back to get it, they get eaten by the zombies and you get to, to get to the finish line. That that's my uh, pro level strategy. Typical sneaky Steve. Yeah, sneaky Steve <laughs> trying to start a lawsuit. Um, <laughs> I can remember back in high school, I would, we'd have to run the mile and I would always sing my ABCs backwards while I was doing it because it helped me not focus on the fact that I was in pain and dying of, of workout. (laughs) And this is so much better than doing your ABCs backwards. This is, this would take my mind off of it. I could run like 12 miles. So I really like this, this is just, I think it's a brilliant idea. So yes, zombies run $5 off if you use the code discount. Disruption, and that is awesome. But now it is time to talk about Ooh. the thing Ooh. that we promised we would talk about. It's the Nintendo Swap. Just kidding. It's a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> so tell wait, us. Wait, wait. Huh? There we go. 
Oh, I thought you were going to do the Mario coin. Mario <laughs> no, I did the coin. snap. Mario coin. Switch. Uh, yes, switch. So, did you just let's try to mispronounce about... Mario like I did, but worse? Is that I, what you just tried? Uh, yes. To... Micah, yes. Micah Horatio Sargent. I will not have that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, Steve. Um, but do you love the Nintendo Switch? Yeah, yes, I am excited about it. You what? are? What? Yeah, what? You are? what? I was expected to hear like a so year of I. negativity today. No, yes. oh well, my I god! Have, I have criticisms. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I don't think it's perfect. You do. Yeah, but yeah, I and I'm probably not gonna. I haven't pre-ordered it. I'm not gonna buy it at launch just because the only thing that's gonna be out at launch is Zelda, and I can get that for the Wii U. And I've been through enough Nintendo launches to know that I don't need to get the first one that rolls off the assembly line. But I think that around the time that Splatoon two comes out in the summer, I'll be buying one. For sure, because I this is aside from some of the questionable hardware decisions they've made around it. I think that this is really what I'm looking for, because I've a lot of the 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 like the console gaming that I play lately is not on the television. And I play less of it because it's just hard in a house with five people and two televisions, like being able to get time in front of the television, especially if it's like an M rated game that I, I still don't want the kids like, you know, being exposed to because it's going to freak them out or whatever. And Can I say something super quickly yeah, here, go Steve? Ahead. Go ahead. Um, we're, we're kind of getting into what we think about without telling the listener anything about the Switch. So <laughs> I just thought maybe we should do that. Basically, it's a, it's a hybrid uh, home console slash hybrid. So it it's a it's kind of like the same size as the Wii U gamepad, but it's got a capacitive touchscreen finally because it's the you know the iPhone's only been out for 10 years and it comes with these two things that they call Joy-Con which are basically like an analog stick and four buttons that go onto each side of it that can either attach to the screen you can play it handheld or you can plug them into what they call the grip and that makes it more like a standard console controller and then you plug the 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 main unit into a television through a dock and then you can play the same game on your television so it's it's not quite as powerful as something like a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, It's, but it's more powerful than a Wii U, and it doesn't have the terrible, terrible screen that the Wii U gamepad has. So you can actually oh. get a reasonably uh, similar experience if you're taking it off the off the screen and playing it somewhere else. And the nice thing about it is that instead of the Wii U, where the gamepad didn't have the guts of the system, the guts of the system are in the screen, and it's more like an iPad with optional physical controls. So you could take the game with you, like, on a plane and not have to do something ridiculous, like plug the, the base of the unit into the power and then wirelessly transmit to the thing in order to be able to play your game on a plane. You could just play it like a normal human. And there's there are other accessories, like there's a kickstand, so you could put it up on, like, a tray table and then play it with when you're out and about with a controller. There's a lot of different like configurations of of the device to let you play it in a number of different scenarios. That that's all accurate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Good work. I'm actually interested in in what you all think, especially those of you who are not playing games or not playing flat games anymore. 
um, whether yeah, this is something that's interesting. Yeah, that's all I want Georgia, are you going to yeah. get in gear and buy a fracking Nintendo Switch so we can finally play Splatoon? Because you know on. what? And before yeah. you answer, there is a new Bomberman game coming out for this console. So if you do not buy this console, I, I think we're going to have to take your gamer card away. You're I'm just killing saying Bomberman. It. <laughs> yeah. Bomberman, is, Bomberman, Bomberman is done. He's going to be games. like on a, the next season of 24 yeah. and not as the yeah. hero. I, I, I love Bomberman, one of my favorite games. Love Mario Kart, favorite games. Um, am I going to be buying it? Do you want the long answer, Brie, or, or the short answer? Just give me the truth, Georgia. No. Ah! Oh, no! <laughs> no! No! Really? Why? No. Why? Why yes. would I? Um, yes, let's why? See. Why would let's you? See. Because, because um, you're a human who likes fun? <laughs> this, is, this is like this is like nah. reverse are we like role-playing each other right now like what is yeah, happening i'm freaking out i don't know what's happening here i i don't know why i would i don't know why i would like it's portability i have my bloody phone um the joy con controllers they are not even they they bother me that they're not equal to the other so the second person that gets the 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 the, the joy con controller shaft. is the men. shaft yeah yeah, yeah, it gets That's shafted. That's a technical name. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> Joy-Con's a I horrible mean, name. Um, it has you know three to to six hours of battery life. Two if you're playing something that's really demanding. It's really expensive. Um, I'm not going to use any of the um, features of which it's going to be. You're going to be playing together and shoot each other oh, with no, the controllers. All, that's all dumb. I could use a Nerf gun. Um, I could use my fingers. I could throw a ball at someone. I could play in three in in virtual. It's just not going to happen to it. Um, the only thing that would pull me towards it are some of the games. Bomberman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then then let's say it. Bomberman let's say it. so. You. We're playing. We're playing Mario Kart. Bree has a switch, and you have a switch, and yet it's still, or or all four of us have a switch. It's still in four split screen. What is up with that on that, every single? I think person's... that might have just been photoshopped. I'm not sure that that's legit, that's legit know. like game footage that that, that picture that came out. It's just man, nah, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I, wow, I'll, oh. I'll tell you why you buy this picture. <laughs> Because, because Brianna Wu says to, that's why. Because your children are going to be out there and they're going to be trying to make friends and they're going to be at a huge social disadvantage because mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to experience these classics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not going to know Mario. They're not going to, I'll tell you what, they're not going to be developing vital game playing <laughs> skills for their future. <laughs> you do not. know we have all those games on our other systems. Listen, you're not yeah, going to get an yeah. a Super Smash Brothers or Splatoon esports scholarship yeah. with Super Mario yeah, right, Brothers right, Two right. on an emulator. That's true. That's true. Oh. I mean, I will, I will yeah. grant you. One of the problems that I have with this thing is that they can't let the motion control go, and and it feels like there was an article that I read on ours that really sums it up, which is basically like this could be the Switch's Connect, where it they spent clearly a lot of R and D money to try to get these Joy-Con controllers to do motion control like a Wiimote. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, they have this demo of, like, a, like it's like a glass of water. You can feel the ice cubes bumping around, and there's, like, an IR camera so you can see things in front of you. And if this was VR-capable, 
then I would say go for it. Like, that's absolutely worth doing. But there's, mm-hmm. like, the specs of this thing are at best going to be something like a Samsung v, uh, Gear VR. And that's not really a great use of all this of all that R&D because I can't imagine, other than this one-two Switch game where you're, I, I kid you not, milking virtual cows, <laughs> I... I can't. Oh. I can't see like a lot of. Christina devel- says that's a blast. She actually played it. She said her favorite thing for actually being at this event was milking a virtual cow. And I, I want that kind of gameplay. I wait, want wait, and that was something yeah. that would make people want to buy more of these, or <laughs> it's, I, I, it's a party game. Yeah. It's a party right. game. It's a Mario feature. Party on this, is right? Because be the no, there's Mario nothing party. that says party like let's see who can milk faster. Well, I grew up in Mississippi, Georgia, and that's something we actually did. Have you actually milked a cow? Yes, of course I have. I didn't grow up like in, you know, Boston. I grew up in Mississippi. I grew up in New Jersey and I milked a cow. I mean, it was on a school field trip, but I milked a cow. I've never milked a cow. Well, you see, you see what you're missing out on now. Well, if you buy a switch, you can do it in in virtual reality, except not virtual reality. Yeah. From what I read, the the uh, haptics of this thing are really incredible. Yeah. And I, you know, Nintendo has has a tendency to come out with something that is so bizarre, but ends up being something that either really clicks with people or kind of goes viral. Like they're not afraid to get weird. And like the Wii is an example of that. You know, everyone's like the a rem, like a remote control shape controller what and then everyone was playing Wii Sports and like throwing a remote control at their television and it was fantastic and you know Wii's were selling out and then the Nintendo 3DS yes for the most part kind of crap but at the same time like glasses free 3D I would always prefer to not have glasses to having glasses if it, you know, is good. And they weren't afraid to get weird and try that. And so now they're like going all in on haptics that the, you know, the the account that I had read said it literally felt like they were holding, like they could tell how many marbles were in this box or, or jar or whatever it was. But like, of course, you know, they're just holding the controller and they're rolling around these marbles and they could tell when there were five marbles or there were six marbles or two marbles or what have you. And they're clinking up against each other and they're rolling around and they can feel the marbles moving. That is incredible. Like that's the kind of haptics that I want in my life to, to whether it's playing a game or it's interacting with um, my iPhone or you know, whatever smart smartphone you happen to have and if this is a start to a get people excited about it and b kind of give people ideas on how we make this happen i think that's really cool so yeah i i you know maybe it's not the device for everybody but i'm really glad that nintendo continues to iterate on like the weird part of their uh you know their whole nature uh because it's great Nintendo's the rocket of the video game industry that's that's it it all comes down (laughs) to the game so it all comes yeah. down to the game. So let's let's $60. talk about the really big problem that the system has, which is where are the freaking games? It is so clear that every one of their launch titles uh, was a Wii U thing, and then they brought this hardware out because their stock was dropping, and the Wii U sales were like dead, and they're like, okay, we've got to port this over to Nintendo Switch. Splatoon 2 looks like just a level pack for Splatoon um, with a couple of new weapons. Like, it looks like something I should be paying $5 for, not an entire new game. Uh, you know, Mario Kart 8, I love that game, 
but it's just a retread. There's no Smash. Uh, Zelda uh, Call of the Wild will be out on Wii U anyway, so it's like, what's the freaking point? Like, I guess playing it on the go will be cool, but where are the freaking games? It says so much that one of the, the games that they were so psyched to bring out, and there were pictures of, like, the controllers leaking for this, like, oh, the, the Nintendo Switch is going to have real fighting games, and what's their real fighting game that they bring out? A... Re oh, yeah. like a reskin of Street Fighter Fracken 2. Street Fighter 2, which I was playing when I was like 14 years old. That game, like the HD version of that with atrocious graphics, that's their really big fighting game that they're bringing out. So my problem with the Switch has nothing to do with the controllers. Like I get that for Mario Kartie and Smash. Okay, fine. It's like, where are the freaking games? What is the reason I should step up and buy this? They don't even have Virtual Console, like, uh, like plans on that. And there's like maybe two games out next year that are really worth buying this for. So it's like, why are you doing this, Nintendo? Why should a normal person go run to buy this? Well, uh, so a couple things about that, right? First of all, uh, and I'm actually going to be positive and I don't uh, around Nintendo, which, you know, sit down because, you know, this doesn't happen often. Um, first of all, like you could say the same, you could have said the same thing about the PS4 when it first came out, too, that there were there was like nothing like for that first year. Like I remember buying my PS4. We had just started isometric like a couple of months uh, before I bought the PS4. And, and even then it had been out for six months and it still felt like I was buying like potential energy and like transistor was mm. like the best game out for it at the time. Yeah. I remember. Um, and, and the PS4 is sold what, like 60 million units now. And it, and it's, it's om- like almost single-handedly revived console gaming at a time that people thought it was going to be dead. So I'm not super worried about the games that they're announcing, especially because it's before E3 and they know that the people who are going to buy this thing at launch are going to, they Zelda is enough for them. Like, even if they already own a Wii U, Zelda's enough for them because they were able to sell the NES Classic without that having, you know, any new games on it either, and they couldn't keep that in stock. So I think that they they know they don't have to they don't have to sway the people to buy it at launch. It's really around like around Christmas time next year when they really have to have that launch that launch lineup. I think they said there's going to be a virtual console, but they haven't said how anything like cross buy is gonna work or anything like that. I, I I don't know. It's I think that if they can get enough people to buy this thing at launch and keep third party support and make it so that indie developers will want to port to this thing, then it, they can get enough momentum that it will be worth owning. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker, so I'm probably going to end up buying the thing no matter what. Um, I think that there's enough there that. It could be if they can really focus and that's a big if, but if they can really focus, I think it can be a really solid machine. But it, you know, like, Micah, just to come back to what you were saying about, like, the how the haptics are really cool. Like, I, I don't get excited about that because I've been through this enough times to know that, like, the motion control on the Wii U was really cool and everybody loved Wii Sports. And after a year, nobody was doing motion control anymore. And, except for like Wii Sports Resort and like the Wii U gamepad was really cool and everybody's going to use it as a second screen, except then it really was just being used for off TV play and that was it. 
And that goes all the way back to, like, the VMU on the Sega Dreamcast, which was supposed to have, like, all of these <laughs> little mini games you could play on the memory card and take it around with you. And and after the first year... That was it, awesome! Yeah. I raced, like, yeah. I raced, raced, what was it, Chozos? Whatever you called them? Yeah. Was that, I don't know, that was from, Metroid. Was that from but, Sonic? Yeah. Oh, no, I raised the little, the little yeah. things from Sonic. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it. that was, like, two games, and the rest of them used it to just display the game's logo on the, on the, on the memory card while you were playing but the game. Those two games were so fun. <laughs> yeah, but it's, so it's, it's like, I don't get excited about these bells and whistles because I know that, like, the haptics aren't going to matter when you're strapping both of them to the screen. Right. And and I know that most third party developers uh, are not yeah. going to are not going to care like the PlayStation did that, too. They had a mo- they had a, the six axis was the PlayStation three controller. And like the first wave of games had you having to, you know, move your controller around in space. And then that just fell off. So no. And, and really nothing. Nobody uses the touchpad on the PS4 controller except for as an extra button now. But the entire gimmick with this whole stupid system is that you're going to bring it around with you. And these casual games like Mario Party, this is a system made for Mario Party. That I'm going out to dinner with some friends and or just going over to someone's house. It's like passing the Joy-Con and then we'll we'll play Mario Party or Smash. I absolutely believe that will be used for those games. Uh, you know, but I think those are the kind of experience Nintendo is going to put out themselves. Uh, but I think you're being far too cynical about this, Steve. I think you're going to see people, you know, bringing this to dorm rooms. I'm going to bring mine everywhere I go. I'm going to keep it in my purse. I mean, I think this is going to be the social system. And I, you're, you're, you're I wrong. Think that I, yeah. No, no, no. I think that the portability of it is the feature. I think that the motion control piece of it, like them going all in on motion control again after they've already like gone down this road before, I think is a mistake, especially because of the added expenses adding to those those controllers. Like if you're going to buy a pair of them, it costs you eighty dollars. And that's just for like the Joy-Cons that strap onto to something without even getting another grip. And I think that's that piece of it is a mistake. I think that it being like something that you could just prop up and play a game of Smash not needing to have a television around is brilliant. I think that's really great. And that's that's the killer feature of the system. And that's what they should be doubling down on. Not like this virtual gunfight. Like I don't they shouldn't be doubling down on Aaron Burr simulator. They should be doubling down on having a screen that you can carry around and have a local multiplayer experience wherever you are. That's the killer feature of the system, not like not this thing, this weird game where you're where you're milking virtual cows and slashing each other with virtual swords, but not actually in like virtual reality where it feels like you are. This is where I realize how different we are. Um, it, well, like when it comes to being a gamer versus not being a gamer yeah. or being someone who doesn't like. I like things like The Sims because that is, for some reason, that's a game, quote unquote, game that I really am into. And I don't want like a massively multiplayer online Nintendo game. I want to milk cows and feel like I'm actually grabbing the udder or roll around marbles. And like, I am, I but love the gimmicky you, stuff. But, but Micah, mm-hmm. there, there really are cows still. <laughs> and you can get marbles and roll them around. But you don't need to have a, a system that costs three hundred dollars. Um, this is true. To pretend, I mean... <laughs> and the marbles that you could put into a cup and roll around, you could do that for guess what? The battery life on that is like infinite <laughs> until you you break <laughs> the marbles. Georgia, weren't you playing a game called Job Simulator in virtual reality? 
I didn't like Job Simulator. I liked paintball. Doggone. So you're playing paintball in virtual reality. They have paintball courses, you know, where you can actually you can actually shoot paintballs at people. Yeah, but that hurts. Uh, Well, okay, but what I what excite what what, 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 no what excites me so much is like technology doing these kinds of things. And yes, maybe not every game uh, yeah game developer is going to come out with uh, a game that uses these haptics, but like I would be excited about the games that do come out that use the haptics. And if it's only Nintendo, then so be it. I mean, whenever it comes to Apple, for example, most apps don't take advantage of the uh, the haptic built-in stuff that comes with like the trackpads. Like your Mac, most of the apps that are third-party apps don't use that. But I am always delighted by things like Preview and uh, Acorn, which is a third-party app that use those things. So I yes, Georgia, you're right. Like I, I don't plan on buying this because I don't really have time to, and have, you know, don't make time to game. But I think that it's super cool, and I hope that you know it does become something. I hope Steve is proven wrong, and that like everybody goes in on this haptics thing, and it's a super cool feature of this uh, console. See, but that I think that's the point, right? Is that like uh, Bree and I are the ones who are going to be more likely to buy it. Than you and Georgia, and you're, but you're the one who's being, who's really like blown True. away by this. But you're also not likely to spend two hundred ninety nine dollars on an on a Nintendo Switch, right? Ah, that's very that's, true. That's the point is that they're spending all this money and R and D and increasing the cost of the system for a market that they've has already passed them by, and they're not likely to get back again. And I think that's where I feel like that's the mistake that they're making. I think you should switch your attitude, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Got it in. There it is. Listen, this uh, is as do... excited as I get. I'm, exci- I'm, I'm saying I'm going to buy the system. I'm actually excited about it. Assume, like, it, there's still things that they could, you know, like, they still have to really show, like, how the eShop is going to work, right? And, like, the fact that there's 32 gigs of storage in a modern console is ridiculous given that like the install size of legend of zelda is like 14 gigs and you yes you can put sd cards into it but it's like how do you not put more than 32 gigs into into a console but like it's got problems because it's a nintendo console of course it does it wouldn't be a nintendo console if it didn't have some fatal flaw where they cut corners jesus jesus Uh, this is my optimism. Get this is as good as I get. But but I I do think that like the core portability and the off television, uh, you know, ability of it is is really compelling. And I think that that is enough of a differentiator for it to be a successful system more so than the Wii U was. Okay. Any last words from anyone else? All right. Georgia Dow, you will buy the yes. system. <laughs> Georgia Bob, we're gonna make Bomber, you we're, this- we're holding Bomberman hostage. I am not above helicoptering above your house and just dropping a Nintendo Switch through your roof into your living room. I am not above that, Georgia Dow. I will help fund that stunt. Uh, That sounds awesome. Uh, $5,000 helicopter. You know what I do is I talk about our friends at Squarespace. This episode Yay! of Disruption is brought to you by our dear friends at Squarespace. If you enter the offer code Disruption at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. So make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. And with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more, you're going to get such great results out of it. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Or maybe you want to create a 
a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. You don't have to worry about patches or any upgrades. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace takes care of all of it for you. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help, I mean, you're like me and you're up at like three in the morning and that's when you have your great idea and you got to get online and, oh no, I ran into a problem. Call them or text them or email them. They're going to be there for you. They'll let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautiful for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. That's it, 12 bucks. And you can start a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code disruption. Again, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase and of course, show your support for our show. We thank Squarespace for their support. And I thank Squarespace for offering up awesome websites because I have like three or four running and I've never had problems with them. Always able to do what I want with them. Super great. Squarespace, make your next move make your next website. Okay, anyway, let's move on to, to take questions from listeners, listener questions. Um, so we have a question from Zero on Twitter who says, Hi, Disrupticons. I think Brianna's run is inspiring, and I hope that it paves the way for a better Congress overall. I have a number of folks in my own city state that are suggesting that I run for Congress as well, but it's placing me in a dilemma. I live in Washington State, and all of my Congress members are Democratic women. While I don't always agree with them, I don't want to be the guy who displaces an experienced woman because he thinks he can do a better job in some areas, and I can't really afford to move to a new district right now, although I do see that as a future option if things stabilize a bit more. I know that a lot of good can be done with political volunteering, but incumbents have natural advantages, and ultimately it's very hard to change things without being in the room where it happens. I would love to hear some advice on how to determine when to fight for a spot in the room and when to trust your senators and representatives, as well as stuff you can do in the background to keep pressure on even when it's not an election year. Uh, only 538 of 320 million can be in Congress, but what can the rest of us do to force them to listen to the people? Well, you know, uh, I was talking about this on Twitter today. Yeah, so the, the House of Representatives was constitutionally designed uh, for a lot of turnover, right? This is why terms are two years. You only have to be 25. Uh, you know, the system that we have where people stay in that office for an average of 12 years is not what the founding fathers really had in mind. I believe the Constitution, uh, I, I'm sorry, I believe that competition leads to, you know, better choices. I believe mm -hmm. it you know, leads yeah. to better outcomes. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, chances are, if there's a competent woman in, in Congress, I'm probably not going to vote for a dude over her because there's so few women in Congress. But I don't think that should stop you. Like, I, I think that, you know, having a strong competition for those seats is good for America. But this is something to consider. For me, uh, for me, I talked a lot about, you know, with my team about if I was going to run for the state house or if I was going to run for the, you know, the House of Representatives. I chose to run for the House of Representatives because my ability to fundraise is more national and it's, uh, you know, like I'm a more nationally known figure than I am a Boston you know, known figure. So for me, this is what made sense. And I wanted to use my visibility for women all across the country to be running in 2018. Uh, for you, consider running for your state house, especially if you're out there and you work, live in a Republican state. All the horrors that are being done to, you know, uh, transgender people in North Carolina, that's all the state house, you know? Uh, so, you know, consider 
you know, running there. Uh, for the town uh, I used to live in, that's where Jill Stein served her only office on the on the council, you know, like the, the local council. So, you know, you can get involved at every single level, not just the, the federal level. But, you know, if, if you're being called to run for the House, I encourage you to do it. Go for it. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's and it's worth saying, too, that there are a, a lot of states, even Democratic states that don't have both a Democratic governor and a Democratic state, a Democratic controlled state house. So yeah. you, it's possible that you could have more of an impact, like a meaningful impact immediately in state government rather than federal government. Anything else? Uh, anyone, anyone wants to say on that or? No, I was just honestly. I I was like, let's let's hear from Bree, please. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing yes. to add to that. There, uh, the, can I tell you, Micah? The emails I get, ninety percent of them are from people that are fed up and they don't feel listened to by Washington. That's at least mm-hmm. ninety to ninety-five percent of them. And, you know, we have this system that's completely broken. Lynch is a really good example of that. I've never talked to anyone that has told me here in Boston, like, you know who I really think represents me? Stephen Lynch. He doesn't. Like, voting against Obamacare is like a great symptom of that. So, you know, there's definitely this tension. I think, as Congress has really become more and more removed from what, you know, Americans are experiencing. And I just, I I think it's awesome that people are thinking about running. That's Mm -hmm. the entire reason I announced so early is because I do want people to get angry and to run. Yeah. 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 You have to not be complacent. And 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 I mean I think that there's also it's also true. There's just a lot of people who don't even know who their representative is. I mean you a lot of times you you vote for president, and you vote for senate, and then the representative is either going unopposed or you just vote your party, but you may not even know your senator your representative's name. And even just like getting to know them and you know writing them letters or calling their office when you have it when you're when you when there's something that they need to know about is that's that's a way that you can influence things too even without running mm-hmm. for go- running for government true. and that's an important thing it's that true. and, you know, I mean, and that's to why vote the, yeah yeah and to vote too is like because the, the so bare many minimum. people don't actually yeah. make their their voices heard at all. Yeah, Steve, I have to give you some pushback on that. You know, I say this is someone that spent a lot of time uh, doing constituent services for for multiple organizations, and I actually. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. My office would be different, but uh, like constituent services, this is what happened when you called uh, a certain office I used to work for, and I was one of the people manning the phones. Uh, I would type it into a constituent service database, which maybe people would read. It would be like my summary of what I thought the call was about or the letter was about. And I never saw anyone come in and read the constituent services database. It, you know, sometimes uh, if there was a hot issue, we keep a, a tally when Rush Limbaugh went off the air to know what people are saying. But I, I think the system is beyond broken in this regards because, you know, think about the Stephen Lynch way of doing things. Like, look at his Twitter. It's clearly some staffer that is just posting pictures of him out cutting ribbons, right? Like, it's marketing BS, and everything that comes out of that office is focus-tested, and it's just, I mean, read it for yourself. It's not sincere. So I don't think this old message of, like, trying to get through these politicians by calling them, 
I don't think it really works. I think threatening to primary them when they don't do their job or, you know, do things like choose to go celebrate Donald Trump getting elected. I think primarying them is a really good way to get their attention. That's going to do more than writing a letter. But I think we've got to get past this idea that like a lot of people in Congress are you know, responsive to constituents. I think it's more about giving the illusion of that. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking about like that John Oliver piece that we talked about a few months ago about like the uh, how the NRA gets all their bills passed and how yeah. they get all their people to call on mass like every time that there's a bill that's that's coming up. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that that they, if there's an overwhelming number of calls, like any single call isn't probably isn't going to make a difference. But if there's, you know, an overwhelming number of calls for important issues, it becomes harder to ignore. It may not always get through, but it has a better chance than than not. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess is what I agree I'm thinking. with that. I That's agree all I'm saying. With that. I agree with that. Okay. Yep. Um, so unless anybody has any else, we'll move on to the other question that we have from Jay in Boston, who says, hey, Disrupticons, important life question here. Uh, my daughter's almost five, and I'd like to buy a new game platform that gives the family a shot at some quality game time together. But which one? I'm an easy-to-please casual gamer. Everything from Hearthstone to, f- to first-person shooters works for me. My daughter loves easy interaction. Anything that pops and reacts to her actions is a winner. My wife is probably the toughest one to please, but she can get into racing games that reward crashing. So what's our best bet for family fun time? Nintendo Switch. Yeah, Wii or Nintendo Switch, very clearly. Uh, what I love about the Wii U that George has never played is, uh, you know, I'm married to a casual. Um, and, you know, the Nintendo Wii U has such a deep library of games. I can have a great time with Frank in, uh, like, Mario Party Bowser mode. This is great because Frank sucks at video games. And, like, Bowser is the most overpowered character ever. And it means, like, I'm... Like, there's like a 5% chance I'm going to win a game of Mario Party when he's Bowser (laughs) and I'm playing as everyone else. There are a 100 games like that on it. And it's just great for sitting around. Like, Steve, be honest with me. The most fun I have had playing video games the last two years is going over to your house and playing Smash with your family and your daughters. That is by far the best time I've had. I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, a player yeah. smash is just it's a blast. It's it's a lot of fun and I think that the the other one that the other game that for it that's really good is Super Mario 3D World because yeah. as you're getting you know, your daughter's not going to be used to manipulating a controller, but you're basically dragging her along on the same screen and you can she can just press a button to go into a bubble and then we'll float around to where you are if she gets right. stuck. Yeah. And I think and that's a really around. big thing. Yeah. And to have the kids be moving around while they play a game, it's really nice. They don't have so many buttons where you're going to get them frustrated and upset and they burn off a little bit of steam and it's, you know, fun together. Yeah. As a person who, uh, you know, as I've stated, is not a super gamer or anything like that, I frelling love Smash Brothers and Mario Kart of any sort. Those games, I just, I feel like uh, that's just a chance for anybody to have a lot of fun. And it, it, it kind of like, as, as Bree said, it democratizes uh, the, the gaming and you can kind of all play on the same level. And ultimately a lot of that, like, yes, you can get really good at it and know like what your, I can't even think of what it's called. The little yellow stick thing, but the little yellow pad thing or whatever. 
whatever. C stick. Yeah, C yeah. stick. Yeah, you could do C stick moves and stuff like that. But I can also just hit like ba 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 ba, and then suddenly you know someone's flying off the screen, and that's awesome. That takes the 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 part out of gaming that's tough for me, and just makes it a fun thing that I'm doing with other people. And then I get to trash talk Shane every time I <laughs> kick him off the stage. Like that's so much fun. So yeah, yeah I yeah. I mean the Wii U just has so many different options. The Wii has so many options if it's still out there. Uh, the Nintendo does a good job at like democratizing gaming and making it possible for everybody to have fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and even some of the old games still hold up too. like, we just bought uh, Pokemon snap just came out for the oh, virtual it's console. So good. It's so yeah. Good. I mean, other than the fact that you have to be a dude, but it's a 20 year old game. So, you know, whatever, but I mean, my we were doing it. I was the one driving, and the kids were just, like, telling me where to go. And they're like, oh, my God, it's a Snorlax. And you threw the thing at him, and he woke up, and, and now he's angry at you. And, and oh, it was and it was a blast. And it's like, that's a game that Maureen and I played when it first came out. Like, we took our memory cards to Blockbuster Video to print our pictures out as stickers to put on our notebooks, like, 20 years ago. And now it's a game that we're able to share with them. I, I think the only thing I would say about the Wii U is that you probably want to wait a little bit until the switch comes out because Ooh. once that happens the price of the wii u is probably going to drop pretty significantly nintendo yeah. said that that zelda breath of the wild is the last game that they're making for it so it's effectively discontinued after that which yeah. means that stores are going to want to get it off the shelves and it's going to go it's it's i think it's still 250 dollars right now it should be considerably cheaper especially if you get a used if you get a used one it'll probably be even less than that but oh don't do yeah. that yeah but you yeah. can probably even get a new one probably for under 200 dollars pretty easily and there's there's a good enough library that that will keep you going until the point where you're ready to graduate into something else. Yeah, and then yeah. the the switch will have games. I'm, Hopefully, I'm probably yeah. gonna buy a backup Wii U uh, just because. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm serious. It's a freaking amazing system. Yeah. No, and it really is. I know it was a I know it was a commercial failure, but when I think about my favorite games in the last ten years, uh, a lot of them are on that system. I think yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo takes the really good ones and does, gives them the Mario Kart 8 treatment. I, I'm yep. pretty sure that, that they, the, you know, for all their faults, they do like to make money by selling the same thing over and over again. And <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people, if the Switch does take off, that will not have played those games and will be willing to buy them a first time. And especially if you have some sort of cross-buy or some sort of upgrade thing like they had when the like the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One first came out. I, if they're smart enough to do that, which you know you know nev never know, but hopefully they will be, then they could make a lot of money that way, and a lot more people will get to play those games that are so good, but just didn't get a lot of attention because the Wii U sold so few units. All right, <laughs> yeah. sorry, Georgia and Micah, we feel strongly about yeah. this. No, no I, I think I, that those are fair, fair, all really important comments to make, especially when you're going to be spending a lot of money on a system. Also, Bomberman. I bought a, a Wii U and love it. And so anytime we, you know, get bullish about that is, is a good day. Um, are there any more questions or shall we say goodbye for the evening? I think we should let these people go. Let these people go. Steve said, if you would like to get in touch and leave your questions, here's how you can do that. You can call us at 508-418-3532 and leave a voicemail. Or you can tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me or send us a direct message if you'd rather keep it private. In all of those places, please do let us know if we can use your name on the show. Otherwise, we will default to anonymous. Please go review the show on iTunes. Remember 
remember, you don't have to leave words. We do love it when you do. But you can just leave some stars if you like. One star, five star. There is no in-between. Just leave five stars. Just leave five stars. We need some new reviews. People, People have left us. We have been forlorn and forgotten. We need some reviews. Please, some people, send some love. Send some reviews. It makes Send some happen. reviews of uh, Georgia Dow's um, political motto. What is, what, is, what is Georgia Dow's tagline? Uh, what is, in, what's my in, tagline? I hate what, fun. What are you running what? as? <laughs> I hate fun. Running as the media, the deputy for Brianna. That's that true. That's was? true. I'm her deputy. Um, so, yeah, please go leave some reviews and maybe we can read some on the show again uh, if Georgia wants to do that. That, that sure. tends to be fun. Uh, anyway, if you are looking for me online for some reason, you could find me at Micah Sargent. And a uh, quick plug please send me your home automation, home kit, and home app questions. Uh, anything about home automation i know steve is is shaking in his boots and of anger but please do send those my way i'm doing a a question and answer my home automation is are my hands that's my home automation micah uh you're living in the past steve and if people are looking for you living in the past where can they find you online well they can find the hollowed out tree that i'm going to be living in shortly or you can find me on twitter at wicked good Beautiful. And Brie Woo, if people want to get in touch, where can they find you? Well, if you're going to be at the Women's March in Washington or Boston, you know, please uh, shoot me a tweet. I'd love to meet up and we can uh, we can take some photos and be like, yeah, F Donald Trump. So, yeah, uh, I love it. Sorry. Yeah. So do that. And please, guys, seriously, uh, you know, if you can, I'd really appreciate a donation to my campaign. So that will be in the show notes. BriannaWu2018.com. And last but certainly not least, Georgia, if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Well, being the queen of the dash and the underscore, you can check out anxiety videos.com or Georgia underscore Dow. I love it. The queen of the dash and the underscore. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, that is it. All that's left is for Steve to say that thing he says every week. So, Steve, take it away. Georgia, buy a switch already. Come on, really? Oh, come on, come on, uh-huh. get in gear. Uh-huh. Come on, bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>